check. On this episode, we interview the CEO of Red Cell Technologies. Uh, they're known for being the parent company of Integra, QS1, um, and now Pioneer RX. Hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of RX Radio. I'm your host, Richard Waith. I'm really excited about today's episode. We have the CEO of Red Cell Technologies. They are the parent company of Integra, QS1, Pioneer, uh, amongst uh, a few other brands. So uh, before we um, jump into that, I want to bring in and introduce our, our guest today, Craig McEwen, uh, who is the CEO of Red Cell Technologies. Craig, welcome to the show. Hey, Richard. It is great to chat with you. Uh, really looking forward to the discussion today. So uh, before we kind of dive into Red Sale, what it is, and the movements it's, it's currently had in the pharmacy space, uh, I first want to start by getting to know you a little bit, letting the listeners get an introduction to who, who Craig is. Uh, so before we d- dive into the details, can you first start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure, sure. I guess uh, most importantly, I'm a, a husband and father, I've, uh, married for 25 years this year. Uh, and I have two teenage boys, so uh, very much uh, in enjoying all the all the phases of parenthood and uh, trying to wrestle two teenage boys during the during the the COVID phases for for sure. But um, that that's my uh, personal background. I'm, I'm I live in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and uh, and have so I've lived lived a bunch of uh, different places. But uh, as we come back to raise the family. We were uh, raising the family back in Pittsburgh with the rest of our family. And professionally, uh, uh, most of my career has been in technology. The last, uh, oh, 20 years of it has been in healthcare technology broadly. And you can, you can really split the two, that into two phases. The first, first decade was in uh, cardiology and radiology technology. Uh, and, and I was responsible for um, uh, predominantly the cardiology side of the world with uh, diagnostic uh, vascular injection system uh, imaging, and then also uh, some therapeutic devices in the cardiology and peripheral vascular uh, spaces. And then moved into the pharmacy technology um, a little over 10 years ago uh, when we um, took private from McKesson a uh, uh, health system pharmacy management uh, company that uh, we rebranded as Ascent and ultimately sold to a company called Omnicell uh, in in the space. And since then, I've really kind of got the pharmacy bug and uh, been in the, uh, I was co-founder of a company called Trellis RX, which is a a provider of specialty pharmacy technology and services to health systems to help health systems manage patients at the clinic level uh, to really improve care. And, and that business has been tremendous. And we're helping a lot of health systems and a lot of patients um, uh, manage manage uh, some pretty complex disease states. And then ultimately ended up with uh, Red Cell. And Red Cell technology was born, born last April, uh, uh, a year, almost a year ago uh, to the day, uh, and it's really the culmination of an acquisition of QS1, and then in December, an acquisition of uh, Pioneer RX. So that's a, a brief whirlwind tour around my background. Yeah, it sounds like you are, um, at least from a, on the personal side, my 
uh, wedding anniversary is tomorrow, two years. Ah, so, okay. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we've been doing good. You know, we have a child now too. So it's, it's yeah. which is, you know, again, following along. I, I have a lot of questions that I'm going to have for you. Um, well, nearing the 25 yeah. year mark. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm not sure I have the answers, but I will tell you, I've, I've appreciated and enjoyed uh, just about every, every year with, with the kids. And I, I'd go back to any one of those phases in, in just a moment. The years go by way too fast. With the kids. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I can only imagine dealing with teenagers because my, um, my son just started scooting. Like he's not crawling yet. He's like, yeah. he's, he's scooting, but he's like, he's very fast. Like he yeah. can scoot like from point A to point B in the blink of an eye. And, um, <laughs> and it's just, you know, it's just crazy. Cause there's things that you have to manage as a scoot, like just, and all he's doing is scooting. That's it. So I just yeah. can't imagine what it's like when they're like a teenager and you're the one, you know, obviously we've all been teenagers, so we know, but we don't know really what it's like on the other end until you're there when you're having yep. to manage all the things that are, that comes along with having a teenager. So yeah, I, um, I think, I think there are a lot of phases that kind of just are step functions for parents when you you're, he's scooting once, once he's able to walk, it's a whole nother game. He's able yeah. to touch, touch so many more things <laughs> uh, in the house when they start driving. That's a, that's another big one for sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, but anyway, we'll, we'll, one day I'll, I'll, you'll be getting some calls from me, I'm sure. But, um, uh, so what about like, I'm curious to know about leading up to Red Sail and the, the experiences in, because you said you kind of got the pharmacy bug. Yeah. What, what do you think kind of kept you in the space? Like going through the things with McKesson, um, and some of the health systems and how, like what they were doing with providing care through, um, through some of the technology you provide, what do you think kind of kept you in it? Because I feel like, you were probably in a position where you could have been in any field that you wanted to be in. So, well, I, I'd say more more broadly, I, I did get the healthcare bug. You know, so when I when I was in the radiology cardiology space, I was with a company called MedRad, and um, it really impacted me because uh, the one of the first procedures I I, I watched was um, my my father had had a heart attack, and I was. Um, in the cath lab for a follow-up uh, uh, diagnostic that he that he had to have, and and it just struck me, you know, watching the technology that we developed used on on a family member, and um, it just struck me that you know there's a lot of ways you can you can make a living, and while I'm not a clinician, the closest I can get to that is really helping helping to develop tools and techniques that improve the cost and quality of care. And so I, I got the healthcare bug back then and it's been with me with me uh, all along. On the pharmacy side, um, I guess it was a, a couple realizations. One is uh, the things that we do on pharmacy can touch a lot more patients than what I was doing on the cardiology radiology side. And, and you can reach millions of patients very quickly um, through pharmacy technology. And I've also always been drawn, um, I, I don't characterize myself to be, um, necessarily an entrepreneur. Well, I've co-founded, uh, companies. I've run smaller companies, you know, 40 employees. Um, I, I think I'm most well-suited for companies that have established and are trying to reach another inflection point. And, and I found pharmacy technology businesses to, uh, really be ripe for that, whether it be on the health system side and if, even on the retail side where uh, pharmacists, in, in my observation, observation, are using tools that were in some cases were developed 30 and 40 years ago 
that have, hadn't necessarily kept pace either with other areas of healthcare or other areas outside of healthcare. And I was just drawn to the fact that you could have a, a, a really big impact fairly quickly uh, because you also don't have, at least from my experiences on the cardiology side, where we're doing diagnostic and sometimes therapeutic technologies, where you have a, a long regulatory cycles, you, you can impact technology in much more rapid cycles in pharmacy. And, and I just I just found that to be super exciting. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a lot of the background why I've, why I've stayed in that space. Now, I'm curious about what you're like from a self-awareness thing uh, standpoint, like you mentioned how you were you you said you fit well the best in when someone's trying to go to the next level after being established yeah. already. What is that? Yeah. What does that really mean? Like, what does that look like? Like, what is it that you do that you felt you feel the best at from going from you know one place to another with a company that's already been established versus if they were just kind of starting out? Yeah. So great, great example. So, um, you know, we, I, I use the pi- a real life example, Pioneer, uh, that, that we just acquired Jeff Key, the, the, the present Pioneer, brilliant innovator in, in this space, in my opinion. And, um, when Jeff and I work together, we're finding ourselves to be really complementary of one another. So he, he can iterate and innovate very rapidly. Uh, and so when you look at the amount of features that Pioneer's developing, um, it's very impressive, and it's, in, in my opinion, one of the two or three reasons for their success. Um, I spend most of my time trying to think about where, where do we take that business and that technology from this point forward in, in, in additional businesses? How do we think about how does telehealth play uh, in, in the world of what we're doing with Pioneer and QS1? Can we wrap that technology platform and move it into new markets? How do we scale the business? Um, uh, we're, we're, Jeff has spent a lot of his time making sure uh, he's been incredibly good steward of that business fiscally. You know, can we step back and say, well, if if we gave you 30% more investment, Jeff, what what markets or features could we really innovate in? Right. So, um, we're we're thrilled. Um, Pioneer just launched a uh, a new COVID scheduler and mass enroller. Uh, uh, platform that wasn't no one's was even thinking about uh, a couple months ago, and you know we we figured out how to carve out additional resources for Jeff, but Jeff and his team figured out how to innovate very rapidly. I don't think I'm necessarily the one that's going to think about that innovation as well as Jeff can. Um, I know I can't actually, but I know that I can help help that business scale uh, much more rapidly than we have been and continue to provide and move it into market market segments that actually have a bigger impact potentially even on on the patient and the pharmacist. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that helps at all. Yeah, definitely. And uh, for those tuning in, you will be able to hear uh, that episode with Jeff Key. It should be the episode that gets released before this one. So uh, by um, the time this one's out, uh, listeners will be able to hear that episode uh, with yeah, the uh, president of Pioneer as well. Now, t- so what is Red Sale? Like, if you had to describe that to someone, because I'm sure I did a poor job introducing it. What what is Red Sale? And um, let us know, like, what does that company do? And let's you know dive into some of the, the recent movements in the pharmacy space as well. Yeah, so so uh, Red Sale is a pharmacy technology business. Uh, the 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 primary um, technologies that we have right now are pharmacy management systems, claims engines, and patient engagement platform. Right. Uh, we currently go to market with three brands, essentially Pioneer, QS1 and 
Integra. And uh, but uh, I, you'll you'll see. But more, most broadly, it's pharmacy technology, specifically um, uh, and predominantly in independent independent retail pharmacy. I include in that definition also long-term care and, and clinics, et cetera. Uh, but th- that's the broad uh, business we're in. You'll, you'll see us uh, continue to extend and leverage uh, leverage those services, I think, uh, in particular, to move much more depth clinically uh, for independent pharmacy. I, I, I have a strong belief that COVID has been a precipitator of of trends that, that have been trying to penetrate pharmacy for years. You know, I, I think pharmacists in a lot of areas of this country uh, can be and should be uh, thought of as primary care providers in, in a lot of ways. And that's been prevented for a lot of reasons, regulatory reasons, technology reasons, et cetera. And I think COVID is going to be a tailwind for that. I think if you're in an independent pharmacy, pharmacist, you not only should be be accepting, you should be embracing that because I think that's a, a a trend that will sustain itself or help sustain independent pharmacy and help independent pharmacy thrive. So you'll you'll see uh, Red Cell make investments to try to help that trend uh, and and really try to lead that trend uh, within within pharmacies is what I'd say. But uh, the simple answer to your question is we're we're a pharmacy technology business. Now, I feel like COVID, you know, probably put us, I heard this somewhere, I can't remember exactly where it was, but I feel like it's just so true. It it made us operate like if we were 10 years into the future, almost. Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably true, right? So um, if, if you didn't uh, warm up to telehealth before, you sure have now. If you didn't warm up to uh, mobile apps and uh uh, delivery options you you sure you sure you sure have yeah. sure have now I think there's gonna be a whole nother cycle which is uh, okay now that we did this how do we how do we think about optimizing optimizing uh, some of the trends that we've we've seen it's also in my opinion reinforced some of the core I think any business any business model has to be really crisp and clear on kind of what what's your core and I think if you look at independent pharmacy the the differential clinical care, um, is what separates independent pharmacy. And I think what one of the things we're learning is uh, that's not a reason to distance yourself from things like telehealth or mobile mobile solutions or, or uh, remote delivery, but to embrace it because I think it's actually helped shine a light on the differentiating value of those clinical services uh, that pharmacists provide. And we just, we just actually need to embrace that and, and help it further. But I'd agree with you. I think a lot of things that were taking decades to, to be put in place, um, you know, necessity is the mother of all intervention or yeah. innovation rather. And I think you've seen that with COVID. Now, the the recent acquisitions of uh, QS1, um, Integra and Pioneer, what's what has been like, what's the goal of that? I guess what what is the, you know, the overarching theme that you're that Red Sail is trying to accomplish by bringing well, these under one roof? I'd say our, our vision um uh, you know, for the next five, 10 years is we, we should be, we know we're doing a good job is if, if our customer base is the most clinically advanced, financially stable pharmacy network in the country, that's what we're trying to accomplish. And, and that means that uh, the, the tools and services we provide uh, should, you should be able to look back and say, there's not another pharmacy network that can provide the level of clinical care as, as the customers that we serve and provide. 
and and that we're doing that in a way that's fostering a sustainable economic model for uh, independent pharmacies. We we looked at at this market and said, and to accomplish that, you not only need the best technology in the market. And so I'd, I'd be the, the first one to say, I think I'm very proudly think Pioneer is the best retail pharmacy platform in the country. Uh, you also need to have a commitment to continuing to innovate on that and invest. So we, we will we will clearly have a strategy to out-invest and outspend anybody in this market from a technology development standpoint. Um, and I don't say that to be boastful or, or overly proud. <laughs> that, that, that's our strategy. That awesome. we're, we're sticking to it. And anybody who wants to try to run with us, feel free. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> now, you know, I think what, what's what I've – what I've like thought of a lot of times is what happens with culture and how like when an acquisition happens, yeah. you know, change happens. People are like, well, as soon as they hear it, no matter what it is, as soon as they hear someone got bought out or someone was acquired, they immediately go to like, all right, well, that's that's it for them. You know, that they're you know, that's kind of it for that brand or something like that. So can you tell me about like what is like what is it like trying to manage that? And, you know, what is that in terms of whether you're um trying to instill culture or whether you're absorbing culture, like what is that kind of process like and from like one end to the other? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And um, I spend a lot of my time thinking about that. And and depending on the company or the circumstances or the market, I think the answer is different. There are a couple, in my opinion, lessons that I've learned over time that are that are uh, good heuristics that 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 make the process easier. One is uh, trust your employees and trust your customers. And, and just be transparent with them. You know, people are smart. <laughs> and if you, if you base all of your integration and cultural strategies on the presumption that your customers and your employees are really smart, uh, you'll do mostly the right things. And so I, I've, I've tried to have a method that we're just really transparent about what we're trying to accomplish, right? So here's an example. People always ask me, what are you going to do? There's some overlap in the product lines with QS1 and Pioneer. Yes, there are. Pioneer is going to be our go-forward retail pharmacy platform. Isn't that going to make your QS1 customers concerned? I don't think so because we're going to treat them exceptionally well. We're going to continue to invest in QS1, but if you want real innovation in retail, we're going to put it on on the Pioneer platform. I'm comfortable saying that. Some folks give me advice that I shouldn't <laughs> say that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think more people will be willing to, to embrace what we're trying to do if they, if they understand and, and trust where we're going. On the flip side, people would say, well, does that mean you're leaving QS1 behind? Well, no, actually we're, we're investing in two new to the world platforms right now that the QS1 and Integra teams are developing. We're, we're, going to launch a brand new long-term care pharmacy management system. They'll be the first truly cloud-based multi-tenant platform in the U S uh, next year. Is that breaking news? Did we just get like the exclusive on that? I've told that other people okay. that, but I'm, I'm a bit more boastful about it now because I'm getting more <laughs> confident now the development's going. <laughs> nice. Um, we're, we're also going to do the same thing for, you know, uh, the power line claims engine that QS one's had for years. That's going to be totally cloud-based brand new to the world technology coming later this year as well. To me, that that's a transformation that that business had to go through. Um, and, and I don't think we were doing our customers or employees a benefit by delaying that because we we're saying we've got uh, an, 
multiple existing platforms in the market. I agree with that, but that doesn't mean we should be telling our customers you should be willing to live with code that's 30 years old. You sh our customers should be yelling at us saying, no, and, and innovate more rapidly. And so you'll you'll see us doing those things. We're, we're not going to get it right immediately every time, but we're going to have a commitment uh, to doing that. I think that's one of the things, you know, I'll bring it back to the, the discussion we were just talking about with Jeff and Pioneer. Jeff, Jeff launches two or three new features every week, right? Yeah. And some of them, by definition, he doesn't try to over-engineer every single one of them. He tries to you look at COVID, get it out to the thought leaders in the market as soon as you can, get some feedback, innovate, improve it. And now we've got a great solution, solution very, very rapidly as long as we're willing to uh, iteratively uh, innovate. And so uh, you'll, 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 you'll see a lot of that, I, I think. So being truthful is, is really important. Being focused uh, one of the first things you've got to do when um, I kind of call it managing transitions. So there, there's no way you can come in and we can acquire QS1 and Pioneer and tell employees there's everything business as usual, no change. No, there's going to be massive change. There's going to be massive yeah. change. <laughs> get, get your head wrapped around that. It's going to be massive change. If we weren't going to change anything, we wouldn't have acquired the company. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, uh, that reminds me of – doesn't mean we're going to change everything. Be really clear about what you're going to change and what you're not. We're not going to change anything about the way Pioneer innovates and supports customers. They've got the best net promoter score in the market. I'd be a fool if I did, yeah. <laughs> if I, if I did that. But we are going to change a lot. We're, we're, we're going to, as I said, invest and come out with some really great – uh, platform technologies. And, and so then set really clear. The second piece would be set super clear priorities uh, and, and make sure there's not a lot of them. You know, so we, we were very clear when we acquired the QS1 business in April, we, we set six corporate priorities. And anytime someone asked me a question, the answer somehow was one of those six cor corporate priorities. Mm -hmm. And if you weren't working on one of those things, we're not going to put a lot of money into something that wasn't one of those six things. And if you aren't working on one of those six things, you better get working on it uh, pretty fast. But I, I think that's not only a good piece of advice for that I've learned um, for acquisitions integrations. I think it's great advice just for running any business. I, I think in general, my, my, my lessons in life has been most companies try to work on way too many things, whether you're an independent pharmacy or a, multi-million dollar company in general I, I very rarely if ever walked into a company and didn't reduce the number of things they were working on so that we could make more progress on the things that we thought were were most impactful yeah that's actually really good advice actually and i think um something that i'm thinking about myself too as i'm thinking about the things we're working on and maybe we need to <laughs> we need yeah. to stream that, and that a, a little bit more so w anything that surprised you um coming into the independent space or the, the retail pharmacy space, it sounds like this might've been your first kind of, um, you know, deep dive. Into yeah. I spent it. most of my pharmacy time on the, on the health system side for sure. Um, you know, a, a couple things, a couple things. One is, as I told you, I grew up in Pittsburgh and um, in Pittsburgh's, I, I kind of characterized Pittsburgh went through a rebirth after all the, the steel mill days. And I, I, I often talk to people and call Pittsburgh a blue collar technology town. Mm. 
you know, you still have kind of the work ethic that you've always had uh, in the region, but the, but the region um, is very focused on healthcare, very focused on financial services, big robotics and software uh, innovator in the country. And I think of, there's a lot of parts of independent pharmacy that and are familiar to me because the independent pharmacists, at least the, the hundreds that I've been talking to so far, you've got these um, smaller business owners that are trying to do well by their community and by their families um, that are also changing changing their business model very rapidly. And uh, so part, part of that, uh, I guess I wasn't expecting to have kind of a, what I'd characterize as a nostalgic feel, feeling mm. uh, for the independent pharmacy cause. Uh, the other is a bit of a, a frustration that y- you get any place you go when you start peeling the onion back in, in healthcare, but it, it's been more, more acute for me in, in pharmacy, particularly independent pharmacy, which is how the, the economic deck has been stacked against the independent pharmacists in this country uh, at the expense of the patients and at the expense of the small business owner. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I was broadly aware of pharmacy economics, but it, when you really get into the details of the transactions and the technologies that are supporting those transactions, you, you realize how the chain insurance and PBM vertical integration has been, in my opinion, a, a disgrace uh, upon this country and, and how it's how it's being handled um, uh, in, our, in our communities. And so I, I think I, th- I think uh, without getting too too uh, dramatic on that, I, I think a lot of what our our job has to be is to how do you figure out how to leverage technology uh and do it in a way that supports what makes an independent independent, right? So independents pride or customers pride themselves on their entrepreneurial spirit and the ability to be their own business owner. And that has also been one of the reasons why the chains have been able to do what they do because they're able to coordinate and force initiatives. The, The way you fight that in any market is through radical innovation that you can do much more rapidly in an independent setting than you can in a large bureaucratic setting. setting. Mm-hmm. And so I think technology is now to the point where we can arm, begin to arm um, the folks that can reward the pharmacist for good work um, in, in a bit of a mass mass scale standpoint and you know so we we should be able to to measure clinical outcomes we should be able to help independent pharmacy measure clinical outcomes as an example uh, across large swaths of independent pharmacy to demonstrate to the drug companies and to the payers the superiority of care that we're we're providing but to this point we've not done that we talk about it we qualitatively say that you get better care but we're not quantitatively doing that on any type of um, uh, clinical trial basis, but you could, you could do it on a clinical trial basis, but uh, you could do it on a, on a bunch of uh, uh, prospective levels for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and you're going to see us invest in tools and services to try to try to prove that out. Well, that's amazing. That's something I'm definitely going to be looking forward to and keeping an eye on. And 
I think that that's something that brings me to um, a good transition as to seeing if there's anything else on the horizon for Red Sail. Um, you know, I know we had spoken about the new pharmacy management system um, in, a, in a specific uh, space that you're doing um, and what some of the goals are with some of the acquisitions. But is there anything else on the horizon that you can share with us? It sounds like a lot of really exciting things going on. Yeah, well, the Pioneer platform, we're going to launch uh, we're gonna do a few things. Um, you know, we're launching a, a regular um a regular drumbeat of new technologies on the Pioneer platform. You'll see uh, continued evolution in, in COVID management, but vaccine management more more broadly. Um, a lot on the compounding space. Uh, the Pioneer team is doing a ton of work on patient engagement solutions, and uh, we think that's a critical component when we start thinking about how do we how do we integrate clinical outcomes, as an example. And you'll see us. One of the things we'll do is we will take and make some of that technology available across all of the red cell networks. So you'll see us move those patient engagement solutions across the entire um, red cell network. And so that's that's coming. Um, we've invested a lot, particularly on the support side on the QS1 business. Um, and we're seeing that the benefits of that through data now, you know, so uh, things like wait times and first time call resolutions and the tools and investments we're making for our employees to improve that are, are dramatically improved. Um, we've talked about the, the uh, next generation platforms that we're coming out. So I won't, won't reiterate that, but we're also blessed to be um, uh, owned by a company that's willing to invest capital uh, back into the business. So uh, I think you should expect to see us, um, to, to look into some of these markets, whether it be telehealth, telepharmacy extenders, and continued penetration and patient engagement, where you'll, you'll see us uh, look to acquisitions as a way to accelerate uh, that as well, in addition to our investment and in kind of core core technology development, for sure. Awesome. Yeah, well, I mean, hearing kind of the where you're at with your mindset on it and, and the things that you're focused on, you know, I... I I'm really looking forward to seeing the impact that um, that, that the new venture is going to have. And um, I think it's going to help a lot of owners, especially, um, and also the patients. So um, thank you for having that and being, you know, who you are and, and, and the mindset that you have, because I feel like people listening a lot of times don't really get to hear that side of it. Um, so I'm glad to I'm glad that we're able to do this so people can realize that, you know, from Likewise. the top, you know, we're, we're starting to hear that. So absolutely. Thanks. I appreciate it. Well, hold us accountable to it. <laughs> I'm sure the owners will. I've heard that loud and clear. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, one uh, one last question I want to leave you with is just to maybe see outside of uh, you know the amazing things you all are doing at Red Sail, what sort of technology or businesses would you say kind of excites you the most as it relates to to healthcare? Yeah. So uh, again, I, I think you're going to see the the mobility of healthcare. Uh, whether it be through telehealth services, I, I think telehealth is going through a, a, a massive, massive change. There's a lot of payment models that are going to have to catch up to what the technology just just went through. But I, I see that as a, a big one. I see, um, I know a lot of people talk about AI. I, I, I still participate uh, on the board of a company in the radiology space. A AI is here in radiology. It's it's being used every day in healthcare and. Um, and so I, I do see AI being being meaningfully um, used across a lot of segments of healthcare uh, in the very very near future. I think when you marry those first two up with um, uh, the ability uh, and the technology changes around pharmacogenetics, as an example, you really start to have some um, impact 
impactful treatment uh, options once you start linking those those all together. Um, and so those are three trends that I'm, I'm super excited about. I, I, I kind of geek out on yeah. you know, <laughs> Now, so sorry, I want to harp on this a little bit. The AI and the radiology, it's helping the radiologists read the imaging better, right? Absolutely. It's, it's, it's doing a lot of the reading period in, in, on some indications for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's actually a really good example. And maybe you can like give us a little bit more insight, but it's a really good example of how it's not necessarily replacing the radiologist, but it's, it's giving them a tool to better be a radiologist. It's the same concept as practicing at the top of your license in, in that we talk a lot about uh, in pharmacy. Do, do, do we need the radiologist to do a lot of the mundane reads or do we need the radiologist to handle the real complex uh, subspecialty reads, as an example, mm-hmm. and or give them the tool to make them more confident in those re, in the in those complex reads? And um you're seeing that uh, it, it's to the benefit of, of the radiologist in, in those segments. Yeah. I mean, you got to normalize coming out of COVID. I mean, if you, you, in, in some degrees, pharmacy has been blessed <laughs> through, through, through COVID. Uh, you know, if you look at some areas of, of the healthcare landscape, you know, for a period of months, diagnostic pre- imaging procedures were down 70% in a week overnight. And, uh, there's, they're still down, but, but making, making their way back. And so yeah. while it's really hard for us in independent pharmacy, for sure, uh, there are areas of healthcare that have been impacted, uh, to an even greater degree for sure. Yeah. Well, Craig, thank you so much, uh, for your time and insights. I really do appreciate it. Um, any way that the listeners maybe can connect back and kind of follow along the journey to red sale, anything you want to point them to, um, maybe connecting with uh, you personally. Yeah, well, I'm on LinkedIn and and uh, very active on LinkedIn for sure. Red Cell, uh, uh, Red Cell and Pioneer. Look look for us on LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter, and I'd, I'd highlight uh, any of those. Uh, Jeff does a great podcast as well. Yep, yours is terrific. Um, <laughs> they, they, I was on the the the, um, the pharmacy catalyst podcast not too long ago. I think a couple weeks ago. So um, a lot yeah, of cross posting. I'm really. I, get really really excited uh about that and and mm-hmm. i i did want to just close on thanking you for what you're doing for the for the uh, for the pharmacy community out there i think this is a great service you provide well i appreciate that and uh, i'll make sure to link all of the social media accounts so listeners can follow in the show notes craig again thank you so much for your time appreciate it take care Hope you all enjoyed that episode. I'm going to include all of the social media links to connect back with Red Sale and Craig in the show notes. Please make sure to subscribe to RX Radio if you haven't yet. You can subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. As always, thank you so much for tuning into the episodes. I really do appreciate it, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.